Welcome to Christians in the Public Square with your hosts, Cole Bennett and Scott Self. Hey, buddy. You always start that way, which is I know. I wonder if people think you have like some kind of a problem. Yeah. Oh, you've got a problem already. Right. I got a big oh, yeah. problem. He's got oh, a lot big. of problems. Uh, uh, hi, Cole. Uh, we're visit. We're 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 joined today by a uh, a guest, um, a fella that I've uh, grown quite fond of very quickly. So I'm I'm excited to have him on our uh, show today. Um, Stephen Walker's joining us. Stephen is the young adults and college minister at the congregation that I started worshiping at when I moved here to Tennessee. And um, I had the, I don't know if I'll call it a privilege. I had the opportunity to be on his podcast. Uh, oh, it was a privilege for me, Scott. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, but as we, uh, as we talked over hamburgers and uh and at other times we began to realize that i can imagine a number of good reasons to have steven join <laughs> us for a conversation in part because i think he's going to um smooth the feathers of my uh dear friend cole bennett <laughs> to some degree that's a lot I think of pressure my feathers are quite smooth and waxen as a matter of <laughs> they, are they are ablated um so before we get started, Stephen, uh, Cole and I like to rehearse our three tenets. Go ahead. I wonder, if, I wonder if Stephen being Stephen, do you know our listener. three tenets? Oh, I, I have them tattooed on my shoulder. <laughs> Let's hear them. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. So the first one, sacred cows make great barbecue. Delicious. Scoff at uh, or, orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. orthodoxy mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, wave, wave your flag proudly. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then um, bros before politicos, which is my personal favorite. <laughs> and d- does this make me part of the bros politicos family? No, you're a bro family? now. Oh, thank you. We'll That's... send you a bros t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what it is, is a white t-shirt and a Sharpie marker. But <laughs> oh, That's great. <laughs> um, Steven, so when, when we were talking about your political uh, perspective, I was interested uh, that you are both a poli, you were a poli sci major, and now you're a minister, yeah. and that is a different um, paradigm than any of the other guests we've had on the show so far. So it seems to me that, I mean, we've had uh, we've had poli sci people on, we've had ministers on, but having that combination of two, mm. uh, and having been in ministry myself, I'm uh, aware of um, some of the challenges that come with with proclaiming the gospel and also having a, a hot sports opinion about how things, <laughs> how things should run. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get into that a little bit with you, but, but before we even get there, I think it'd be good to hear uh, where you're coming from. What's your, uh, what, what flags do you, what flags do you want to fly? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's a good idea. I, I would say that um I cringe every time I say this, but I'm basically an anarchist. And I think people, that's such a trigger word for sure. people. Uh, for me, it, it goes back to the Talladega Nights movie with the two kids running around screaming, <laughs> anarchy, anarchy. I don't know what that means. Uh, but um, <laughs> I think all anarchism is, is just you, you know, like you believe that um, the government it enforces through force and um, takes things against your will. And that the, we should be able to run ourselves and and be called to you know live together in a community and and not have government entities that 
you know, that we quote unquote vote into power um, lead us. And so um, that's basically anarchy is basically anti-war when it comes down to it in, in principle. But yeah, I'm uh, I was a political science major, um, very political in high school and, and going into college. Like I, I was hardcore right, Republican, free market capitalist, all that stuff. Um until I got to college and I started learning about um, the way our, our government operates. And it was actually through my poli sci major that I, you know, kind of found this idea that the government is not as cracked up as it's uh, meant to be or, or looked out to be as uh, we talk about. And so going through that, I, I, I'd had a, I kind of already had the idea that I wanted to go into ministry at that point in college. Um, and so I chose a degree that, that kind of focuses on administrative side and, and policy theory and stuff like that for, I was interested in it. Um, and so it was through that, that I learned all about public policy, um, bureaucracy, a lot of bureaucracy um, and, and, you know, judicial review, stuff like that. And so, through all that study, I came to the conclusion that our government is corrupt and, and lies to us and, and, and is no good or beneficial. Um, and from a Christian perspective, um, for me to participate, this is a personal decision. Um, I, don't, I don't get on to people for voting or, or participating in politics, not, not any of that. But for me as a, as a follower of Jesus, um, where Christ is, is only king, um, it's hard for me to justify voting and participating into the political theater um, that is U.S. politics. And so that, that's from like years of development and learning mm -hmm. new things and, and study and, and biblical study as well of it just seems like it's it's more it turns into more of a waste of time than not to me and i know that's that's very controversial um i, I was talking to our lead pastor here and he said just don't mention what church you work for because <laughs> he knows he knows how i think um but it, it is out of a, a place of love where i believe that um i think politics and the divide of right and left has called a has caused a massive um, divide in our churches especially and has caused us to think of a brother or sister um, differently than what God thinks of them. Yeah. Um, and so that's at the heart of it of, I want to unite people and unite people together. And I'm not sure you can do that through politics at this point in my life. Um, and so that's where it all kind of comes from, basically. Um, the irony is that my position is oftentimes described as the anarchical po politics. So uh, socialist libertarians are oftentimes referred to as anarchists as well. So I think that it's interesting that you, you were saying that for you, anarchy goes back to the Talladega Nights. For Cole and me, it goes back to punk rock. Um, oh, yeah. And anarchy in the UK and some some other great other great tunes by bands I'm not going to mention. But anyway, talk to me a little bit about your decision to not vote if you don't vote and other good people don't vote and other good Christians don't vote, how's it going to get any better? Yeah. Uh, well, I w my, my challenge to that would be, I think we have a false sense that if we vote and vote good people in, it will get better. Okay. Um, I, I disagree with that vehemently, but to, to, you know, to go back to your kind of original question, I would say, and I think you guys have talked about this a lot on on this podcast, is the idea of persuasion. And, and I believe that the right cannot convince the left of anything anymore. Just the, the way our our country is divided. I, I've never seen someone on the right or vice versa, someone on the left 
convince the other of a way that that you know is is what they do or what they follow. And so for me to I guess kind of disassemble that idea that okay I'm I'm a left leaning democrat or I'm a right leaning republican to just say you know I'm a Jesus follower and I come in peace to love you and to help you and I and this is what I'm about I'm about this guy who lived about 2000 years ago that that says to take care of the poor and says to to help each other um, and to support one another I think when you come at it at that way on a more individual scale um, I think there's actually better growth and better persuasion and, and better, um, uh, more efficient ways to to make things better. And I, and I, th- I think you're you're seeing that. I mean, I think the older and, and I don't have any data with this. It's just more observation. So this could be wrong. I, th- I think the old, the more people, our younger generation comes of age and is more kind of separated from this, you know, idea of maybe nationalism and and t- taking part in the party and you know, doing your civic duty and going out to vote, the more we kind of separate separate from that, we're seeing more individual, you know, communities helping each other, taking care of one another. Um, and I, I think that hopefully we'll get better in the future. Um, and so, yeah, I think at the, at the core of it, it is a personal individual level. I, I don't believe that change comes from Washington. I really don't. I, I believe change comes from having a conversation with someone, um, inviting someone to be in your community and help them along. I think that's where we can make things better. And I think, you know, that, that kind of goes into the idea that we've kind of handed over that um, responsibility of making things better to the government. We've said, okay, um, I'm going to vote someone into office to hopefully they'll they'll make change. You know, they'll they'll make things better in the communities when you're right next door to the community. Have someone over for dinner. Go help um, work on their house with them. We and and as a church, we've we've given over the care and the protection and the um, assistance of the people to the government instead of us championing that. Um, and so I believe that it comes individually and not institutionally. Okay, I have a question for you, Stephen, and um, yeah. I really appreciate that's a that's a careful articulation of both both why you feel the way you do and the results, the consequences of what you think would happen if it were not that way. Some of which are observable right now. So I think that's a a pretty good argument. I anytime I talk to someone who is a self proclaimed anarchist and they, they say things, as you have said, I'm puzzled by this. Um, you know, if you look at a, at a knob that clicks over, <laughs> the click before anarchy is libertarianism. And that's mm-hmm. where I spend yeah. most of my time. So uh, do you, I think I know the answer, but I'd like you to say more about it. Do you, do you not have any faith in the way the libertarian view of, hey, the Constitution and the founding documents were set up in such a way to allow exactly what Stephen just said to happen, where they protect property rights, they enforce contracts, they have a national defense, and that's about it, you know. And so if you want to help your neighbor, invite them to dinner, go to church with them, help them build their house, um, your po- your property is protected, and that is by force, which I know you have something to say about. And our <laughs> our borders are protected, and contracts are enforced. Is is why go the extra click to anarchy instead of stopping at libertarianism? Yeah, that's a gr- that's a great question. Um, 
from from what I believe and what I've kind of experienced is that yeah, the Constitution, in its theory and in its principle, is is awesome, right? I mean, liberty and justice for all, um, you know, taking care of one another and and delegating morality and social responsibility on the individual. That's great. Um, but I would say where I guess the the final click to anarchism comes into is that I don't believe that any government institution can, um, I guess, lawfully execute that constitution, right? Because I, I, I believe that when when people come into power, it corrupts them, it it makes them greedy and, and self-seeking to a point where, it, yeah, it may have started great, but it, it eventually turns into, you know, warmongering, power, power grabbing and, and, you know, institutional control. And so I think where I take a step further from the libertarian point of view um, would probably be to say that, sure, it's, it's great. The constitution sounds great, but you know, where, where's the constitution with, with slavery, you know, where's the constitution with civil rights? Where's, where's the constitution while we're bombing, you know, the Middle East for 20 years, liberty and justice for all. Well, for who, you know, it, it reminds me of the Pax Romana, you know, the Roman peace when, yeah, sure. It, it sounded great in history books when there was Roman peace going on, but when Christians were being thrown off buildings and lit on fire, that doesn't sound like Pax Romana to me. And so, yeah, I, I would say in, in principle, the constitution's great, but in practice, it's terrible <laughs> You know, because okay. we don't follow I wanna, it, I guess. I, I want to test the limits of this because yeah. there's federal government, quad federal government, and then there is yeah. um, the state, which is a more loosely defined concept that I think can include not not merely those who uh, write laws for a specific geographic location, but also um, institutions. Institutions can become states. And so would you identify yourself as a non-institutionalist? I mean, at some point you're giving yourself over to some kind of I mean, I'll, I'll go to the absurd level. You, I mean, you, you're a part of a church and that church has expectations of right. you and that church also has, uh, members, um, who I'm, I'm not going to talk about our congregation cause I think ours is just <laughs> fine and dandy, but I've worked for oh, a few, it's great. right. That have, <laughs> yeah. that have characters that have individuals who see the, uh, the opportunity for influence as a way to garner power and express power. So the the truth of the matter is that if you get three or more people in a room, there is distribution of power. Period. Sure. Uh, sure. So so at what level are you are you comfortable with? Okay, it's all right for us to decide that coercion at this level is acceptable, even though coercion at another level isn't. It's hard for me. Um, I would say the line is when when you are doing something um, that is forced against your will that you did not agree to. Does that kind okay. of make sense? So, for mm-hmm. for instance, uh, with the church kind of thing, if let's say we we decide to do instrumental worship and we and we decide that, well, if, if you didn't agree to that and you didn't like that, you could you could leave. You know, you you could not be a part of that institution. Um, let's say the federal government passes, um, or let, let's let's stay on the whole war train here. Um, let's say that the federal government, you know, kills five hundred thousand children in Iraq from from airstrikes and bombing, which we did in the nineties, um, um, which is just terrible. I, I didn't want to 
have my tax dollars go to that. Right. I, I didn't want, um, you know, I didn't want to do that, but I, I can't help but do nothing about that because of the way our government works and is in practice. And so um, I would say when, when there's forced coercion through by the end of it, you know, that the whole anarchist thing is um, if you resist and eventually you're pointed at you're, you're at gunpoint, right? So if you don't pay taxes, you know, you're going to go to jail, you're going to be oppressed. Um, but I think any type of forced coercion against your will without you having a voice or say, which um, we can kind of go into that about, do we have a voice here um, in America to me? makes the institution corrupt, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that and let me just say this, that that's a, it, it, like, I think anarchism is, is very I, idealistic and it's so hard to put this into practice. Oh, right. So like, I, oh, the, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the question is, okay, well, what would your government look like? I said, well, I wouldn't have a government, um, <laughs> but you know, uh, but what, 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 if we don't have any government or ruling authorities, how do we live our lives? Right. That's a question I guess I'm still kind of wrestling with because I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't it look like Mexico? I don't know. I, I, I would say. Um, I think it looked like we the shopping to, center, it, the, the shopping center parking lot where <laughs> yeah, grocery I, carts. I mean, you get this is yeah. uh, this is not my idea. Somebody else put this. I've, I've seen somebody else describe it this way. But, you know, returning your cart at the grocery store is a perfect example of individual responsibility v. liberty. Right. You, nobody is forcing you to return your car, yeah. your shopping cart to the appropriate location or even to take it all the way back up to the front. Nobody is stopping you from doing that. Yeah. So why do so few people? I mean, nobody's enforcing it. I guess I should say nobody's enforcing you. Nobody's standing at the edge of the curb with a clipboard to see whether Stephen returns his shopping cart and whether Cole doesn't. Nobody does. So you have an option to leave your your grocery cart right there next to somebody else's car to bump in their car if you want to be a jerk or you can return it. Yeah. But loan us how many are out there in the parking lot, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what it, it, it and, and like th- and I what I really believe in is very small communities that that govern themselves through a rotation of, you know, volunteerism. Like I'm really all about mm-hmm. like you you volunteer. Um, you're not elected. You volunteer um, through a rotation. <laughs> you know, it's, it reminds me of uh, Monty Python. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's exactly. Um, what it's I was funny. Thinking. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but I mean, it works to have um, people investing volunteerism in, into, um, I guess, carrying out the authority of a of a self, you know, or, or not self, but a, a mutually agreed upon set of rules, like the shopping cart thing. Um, that may not be something that we've all mutually agreed to, but it's just something that we all agree is something good to do. Like mm-hmm. we, we all see that. And there, of course there's some people who don't see that and leave their shopping cart, you know, in, in the middle of a parking space and, you know, we should throw them out of our community and shun them. No, I'm just kidding. I agree. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that goes into the individual persuasion of, right. I don't want to look like a jerk. I don't. And, and that's kind of a, a raw. Oh, um, no, Cole is, Cole is all over this. He's, Adam he's Smith. loving Adam <laughs> Smith right now. Love and lovely. And, you know, I just want to point out, Scott notices how many people don't take their carts back. And I notice how many people do. Ah, that's true. Half full, half empty kind of guy. Yeah, that's right. Yes, this is all to... about our view of human nature. <laughs> it's, Adam, hey, it's all connected. Adam Smith said we want to be loved and 
worthy of love. So I think people, yeah. are like, you know, it's the right thing to do. I'm taking my cart back. And the people who don't, it's unfortunate. Maybe I'll take one of their cards back with me. Adam yeah. Smith never had a child in a city softball league. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd like to ask another question, Scott, if you'll pipe down for a minute. Okay. Shutting up now. <laughs> I wonder, um, Stephen, if I can persuade you a little bit toward my end with one more argument. Before we started um, Stephen told us that he has actually listened to all of our episodes, which is kind of <laughs> thrilling. And you may well, remember some of them. I'm working through them. I'm working. Oh, through okay. Them. All right. Well, let's yeah. just pause yeah. and have you go listen to the rest of them until we continue. <laughs> okay. Be right um, back in 12 hours. <laughs> one, one of the, um, one of the points I made, and I gave credit the last time I made it was, it shouldn't be our goal to elect the best man or woman for the job. We should have our political system set up in such a way that the greatest person or the worst person in charge is still going to have the republic operate the way the Constitution and the laws say it should. It should not be beholden to the, the goodness or lack thereof of the person in charge. So I wonder if you would be persuaded with things like if we really, really revised term limits, if we really, really revised pay schedules for people who are who are in office and perhaps made them closer to volunteers or people who made a, a nominal wage rather than people who made, you know, over almost two hundred thousand dollars to be a, a congressman or senator. I wonder if that might persuade you that what we have on the books already could work given given some revisions like that. Do you have any any hope that that might work? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no hope. Uh, yeah, I, I am not a um, political optimist. I, I, maybe is that the right? Um, it sounds like I think it it sounds great in in principle, and it's a good start. Um, but to me, it, it's it's already so much corrupted, and there's there's so much things that, that have to be fixed. Um, you know, with the military industrial complex, um, with the way that that you know it came out the other day that senators well, they buy their uh, or at least GOP senators they buy their um, you know, Senate committee chairs and they use special interest groups to fund those, um, buy, buys, um, like we're talking a million, you know, million, $2 million for a, a how a seat on the blah, 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 chair committee, you know, whatever. And so with all the corruption <clears throat> that, that goes on, I just, I, I don't believe it can be saved. I really don't. And, and I think, um, to, to me, it's such a large scale machine um, and, and has so many hands and so many pockets, um, and is so influential and involved in, in global, uh, in a global capacity that 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 sounds great in terms of term limits and you know you know kind of lessening you know uh, I guess wages and stuff and and kind of trying to to smite out small authority to give over to the people, but I just don't believe that it could really affect. I, I am definitely a doom and gloom when it comes to the U.S. federal no, government. I, I really I really want to give you some props here because I, I don't think that many libertarians would disagree with what you just said. For example, Ron Paul was on record for saying many yeah. times, 
our military spending is different from our defense spending. Yeah. One of them, one of them should go and one of them should stay, which I would say is a revision of, of how people interpret our laws. And I, I've, I think you'll agree with me when I say, now Scott will not agree, but I think you will. When I say when people put their hand on a holy book and promise to adhere to the constitution of the United States, that is just not happening. Yeah. They are adhering oh, to. Oh, I agree. They're adhering to special interest groups and yeah. to redistributing wealth ad nauseum and so forth. And I don't. And so, again, I'm wondering if if certain revisions and, and, and if we had revisions to term limits, then I would say that person is no longer uh, supporting the Constitution of the United States. I'm voting them out. And the people who stayed long would be people who then supported the Constitution if enough people thought in the libertarian way and would vote accordingly. So I, yeah. I, I guess I, the reason that perhaps I'm just confessing, the reason I haven't gone to the next click is because I have enough faith in the papers and yeah. the people who might one day actually adhere to a promise <laughs> to follow them. If we can just set the system up to get rid of the people who don't follow them yeah. a little bit better. Well, I, I'm in all of your hope, <laughs> Cole. But uh, that's that's beautiful. But I, I, yeah, as an anarchist, I I can't go there. And and I, I appreciate Ron Paul. There's, um, I think it was Ron Paul, not a son, but there's one, um, uh, rep, like Republican debater or whatever. He was like, "We've been bombing the Middle East for 20 years." You yeah, know, he's just like, "We've been doing it for Ron 20 Paul, years." Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just something that we don't think about. But yeah, I, I, I. I, I don't have much hope um, in that. So, you know, I think I think Scott would say and Scott helped me out here that Stephen is pretty committed to an ontological argument. I do. I think he's I think he is committed to the ontology that it's not working and therefore it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Cole, I want to I want to say something. I, don't, I agree with you that it. I don't know. I don't know why you think I think that everything works fine. I, I'm, I wonder, I don't think that you believe that people are um, no longer supporting the Constitution when they say they would as much as I think they're no longer supporting the Constitution. Um, oh, oh, be, well, that's because I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think the Constitution is laying out a specific set of positions. I think it's setting out checks and balances. Hmm. But I actually think that's what the Constitution is a genius about. Um, so, I mean, I disagree with Stephen insofar as while I think everybody there are dirty, rotten scoundrels, <laughs> what you what you're supposed to have is the checks and balances to keep dirty, rotten scoundrels from being just as dirty and scoundrelly as they can possibly be. So this is this is why the, the president can't do anything he wants to do, because the, the Congress and the judiciary have have a role to play in uh, in checking that. And and the same is true for Congress and the same is true for the judiciary, that ideally there are ways to hold each other in check. Yeah, I'm not sure that works. Can I'm I? not sure that works all the time, but it is. That is, to me, the genius of the Constitution. I don't think the Constitution is genius in the same way that you do, Cole, where you think it's genius because it defines a concept of liberty. And I think it defines a concept of checks and balances. Yeah. Can I, can I speak to that? The, you know, about um, the checks and balances. I, I think that again, it, it, I, I think we've gotten so far away from that. Um, mm. we, we, we've almost flip flopped the whole power 
dynamic where we've said, okay, these elected officials are representatives of us and I put them in power and I put them in place and they're accountable to me. But through, you know, through corruption and, and you know, the power hoarding and all that, that, that we've gone through as a, as a state, it's almost flip-flop to where the senator lords over me and he is my authority figure and I, and I listen to him. And sure, I, I play this theater game that, that this is my personal belief. I, I play this theater game where I vote and I take part and he comes to my city and, and talks about all these things that he's never going to do once he's in office. And but in reality, we have this power dynamic where we see them as the authority instead of us. And I think that's where that's kind of the start of corruption to where that's allowed them to do things without us knowing, um, starting wars without us knowing, um, uh, starting puppet states without us knowing, you know, uh, make all these little small rules and laws that go into these big bills that we never read or see because they're 800 pages, but they have that one little line and on page 85. Um, and then all of a sudden something changes without us knowing. I think that's how that kind of started. And, and what I kind of believe is part of the problem um, is that power dynamic of we think there's a checks and balances, but in reality, we've kind of the more we give to the federal you know, control and the more we give to the bureaucracy and the, the emergence of more bureaucracy, which is non-elected officials that are elected by the appointed by the elected officials. So we're you know third hand in that um, that's given rise to a more power controlled state. That's say. Cole's. That's Cole's guy with the clipboard. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, Cole? Funny. yeah. I remember when they were asking, I mean, libertarians talk about exactly why Ron Paul lost elections, but they would say, what would you do on day one? Abolish the department of education, abolish the department of whatever, abolish it. And people were like, okay, next. <laughs> right. <laughs> now I want to, I want to circle then, uh, or, Circles the wrong verb. I want to turn a little bit back to the church. Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, call the the old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. Right? Blood, blood and righteousness. Then Jesus. What did blood I say? You oh, said blood Jesus and righteousness. You said. Oh, Jesus. I I rewrote that song. I uh, I think I think someone actually rewrote that because I don't remember saying blood. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't. You know, That's yeah. Interesting. Anyway, um, I'm thinking, though, about, you know, let's talk about the Christian side of this. How yeah. do we how you know, I've, I've heard you use the term persuasion. I think Cole and I are both pretty excited about the idea of how how to engage in persuasion, how persuasion happens from the context of the church. But if the world is thus, um, then how are we in the world? How, how do we think about what we have to offer? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I want to loop back um, to something. I think, I think both of you said in one of the earliest uh, renditions of this podcast, it, it, the idea, there's something this letter, that's Timothy letter in the seventh century, something like that about how we're the best citizens, you know? Oh, the doctor of uh, Timothy. Yeah. 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 And I think that's so, the I think, pointed. Yeah, because as much as I believe that the federal government is corrupt, um, that it's a war machine and just the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, as a Jesus follower, I'm first off, I'm called to nonviolence. I'm, I'm called to um, loving my neighbor, loving my enemy. You know, my neighbor is everybody. Um, I think that's what neighbor um, really means in the scriptures. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm called to love people. And I want to be a good citizen. You know, I want to, I pay my taxes. I, I stop at the stoplight. Um, I, I um, you know, do everything that I'm supposed to do in terms of not breaking the law. Sometimes, you know, occasionally I don't buckle up. Occasionally I, you know, uh, pirate a movie or something. No, I don't do that. But, uh, or I use, <laughs> I use someone else's Netflix account, which is about to get, um, that's not going to work very down. much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, and so I, I do all of that um, out of love um, and, and out of a point to um, show people Jesus. And so and in terms of like the public square, I, I do everything I can to convince people that power does not reside in a government entity. It resides in Christ. And so when we're, you know, when we're worried about climate change, we're worried about um, civil liberties, or we're worried about wars going on. I don't turn to my politician or my government body. I turn to Christ. Um, and I, and I think the problem that Christians have kind of run into, especially kind of, you know, more conservative, um, Republican Christians, but on both sides is that again, first off, we've handed over our, our power and our, um, you know, responsibility to take care of people and to love people and help people pick them up um, um, off the ground. And we've given that over to the state and said, I don't want anything to do that to with, do, do with that. I'll give my taxes. I'll support this politician, but, but I don't want to participate in the fully restoration of the earth. Um, and that is a broad generalization. I admit to that, but also what we've done is we've, we've puffed up like politicians and stuff. Is that the right word? Um, we've, we've kind of given them, um, more power and more attention, which has caused us to kind of distract us from what the major goal of our life is. Yeah. I've used sense. this metaphor a few times. Uh, it's not mine. It's Paul's, but we sell our birthright for a bowl of red soup. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where we, where we say, Hey, Obama's going to, Obama, Obama's going to save us. Yeah. Uh, right. Or Trump is going to save us or Biden's going to save us <laughs> Yeah, where we put, you know, I, I, I'll admit that there are times where when I'm voting, I'm voting and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be so awesome. The world is going to be such a better place when this person gets elected yeah. or the world's going to fall apart when so-and-so gets elected. And, and imagine that all of everything is at stake. All of our hopes and fears are at stake with what's happening yeah. in the voting booth. Rather than saying all my hopes and fears are really at stake with whether I love my neighbor or not, and, and I think that's that that is a, a ploy and a gimmick to to get you um, more involved in the state than not. And I don't know if that's spiritual or the work of of the evil one or not. Um, but oh, I, do I think, think it's the work of I think it's the work of the six o'clock news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this is how they they. I've confessed on the podcast that I stopped watching the news, but part of the reason Amen. I stopped watching the news is because I realized that the news was, was feeding my addiction. They were telling me you need to be worried about this thing. And because I needed to be worried about it, I needed to be vigilant and keep watching the news and let them tell me the next thing I need to be worried about. And uh, um, I think I shared this with you when we were having lunch the other day, but um, you know. I was, I was at a hotel a couple months ago. And I thought, well, I'm going to turn on the news and see what's been going on. And so I was talking to Beverly on the phone and she said, well, what's happening in the news? I said, you know, it's the same thing as two years <laughs> yeah. ago. It's yeah. exactly the same, the same stuff. 
And uh, there's, there's nothing new in the news. It's all the exact same crisis and, and making sure that we know that we've got to be vigilant. I, uh, my, my mom went through this during the Obama years where she was just constantly watching the news because we've got to be vigilant against uh, whatever the government's doing with Obama. And I was doing yeah. the same thing with Trump. No, I, and I, I like, and that's what I really feel is, is the reason why I don't vote and don't participate because I, I truly believe that this system that we have now with, with media that is often, I don't want to say state run because uh, you know, that, that could be, but definitely state influence um, to where Trump is is working with Fox News and, put, you know, pushing out stories. And, you know, the left, whether it be Obama or Biden, is working with CNN and MSNBC. You know, that that stuff happens. You know, it's it's not a coincidence that uh, now Jen Psaki is getting her own show on MSNBC. She's not getting it on Fox News, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that McEnany is on Fox News all the time. So, like, but anyway, I, I believe that, this system is put in place to divide and conquer. Um, it, it's meant to put someone in a box mm. to say, mm. okay, Scott is left-leaning, so he's a Democrat, and he's causing the end of our democracy. You know, he mm-hmm. he is the reason why, you know, we're going through, um, you know, all these different rights issues, and while we feel like our, our government, why we need to make America great again. Mm-hmm. And here's Cole on the right, you know, I don't know uh, what where y'all, I know that you're a libertarian, but let's say you're on the right and you're a Republican. Well, he's hateful, and he's angry, and he voted for Trump. And, and he has this, you know, backwards, backwards thinking. And at the end of the day, you see an enemy instead of a friend and someone right. to love. And so I fully believe that that is what our system is, is does. Um, so, so am I to understand that for you, not voting is a practice in checking out and, and turning your attention back to your job. That's, yeah, that's almost like a spiritual discipline of sorts. Yeah, for sure. Because 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 there's times where I get a little bit too much into it, and I start Mm. thinking, well, this this you know, because I probably you know, in in terms of morality, I I definitely lean more to the right, Um, and so I'm like, well, they're thinking this, and this is just wrong, and I start you know, thinking about someone differently than how my God, Creator of the universe, who says we are created in His image and love um, His creation, think of them. And so for me to vote um, and participate in that is definitely a spiritual practice to say, I'm, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of some of the control that I think I have over my elected officials. Um, I'm going to give that to God. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into this theater. You know, I think Spurgeon said, um, you know, like pol- politics is a game and the only winning move is not to play. You know, you're, you're just destined to fail. Uh, you, we hear it a lot, especially in the last two elections, you know, vote with your conscience and vote for the lesser of two evils. I mean, how many times have we heard that just as Christians? Right. Um, well, the, the lesser of two evils, it's still evil. It's evil. <laughs> <laughs> so choose neither, you know, choose neither. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I believe is that like, whoever is in that, I, I believe the office and the system is corrupt and it doesn't matter who goes into that. They're going to be corrupted by it. Um, and so I choose not to participate in it, um, and I choose to focus on what is good and what is right, um, and trying and, and really trying to convince people. I say this a lot in our in our ministry, is that th- all this politics stuff is meant to divide you. It, it's meant to get you angry and upset and fear. You know, it's meant to get you to fear. You're you're supposed to be moved into fear, so you vote a certain way. I'm going to save you from this. I'm going to save you from that. Like you were saying, Scott. Um, if you can, if you can tap into that and see that, 
I believe it's it's changed my life in the way that I look at people, the way I view yeah. people. Um, instead of getting angry, I now get sad. Like I mm. I, I get sad. Um, I'm I mourn. I really do. Like when I see all the you know uh, with the Ukraine and Russia stuff, for example, we can get so mad at Russians and Vladimir Putin. But when we realize and understand that it's not just a Russia thing, we've bombed countries for years. We we've mm. killed. Go look up the statistics in Yemen. I don't mean to drag the show down, but. We've killed over, <laughs> we we've we've killed over two hundred fifty nine thousand children in Yemen right. from airstrikes, um, and not a lot of people know that because it's it's hidden. Right. When when I when I see that instead of looking at Russia versus U.S., when I see there are people in power um, who are destroying the world, I need to pray. You know, right. I, I need to pray on their behalf. I need to pray for the people who are are being divided right now. Um, and so that, that, that's how, um, I guess, how I see and, and view things now. 